are watching Influence Media, PSI-TV, the Netflix of biz brands. For my creative guests, designers, artists, scriptwriters, architects, you need to be watching this show today. You need to be listening to this. My guest, oh, okay, so watches with phones and portable phones and all that. Those were once imaginative foreplay, but they're, and back then they were the future. But now today they're all reality. We're basically living where life imitates art. And that's going to be the conversation today. My guest has significantly contributed to the innovation of animation and 3D experiences that we enjoy today. If you've ever visited an IMAX cinema, one that worn those special glasses to enjoy 3D effects, my guest along with his partners has a patent for the technology that blends left and right eye images based on the orientation of the iPad gyroscope to create a 3D effect without the need for 3D glasses. He was part of the animation team of movies we grew up. Now, okay, I'm, I'm dating myself, but guys, you can see the lines. You can see them, all right? I'm dating myself. But he, he was part of the animation team for movies that we grew up on and shared with our children, such as Little Mermaid, Lion King, and even more recently, the animated Spider-Man series. David Bossert was part of the creative teams for numerous iconic theme park attractions, including the World of Color at Disney in California, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Coaster at Walt Disney World, and the Shanghai Disneyland. Paris Dreams, the Night Spectacular at Paris Disneyland, Animation Magic for Disney Cruise Ships, Once Upon a Time at Tokyo Disneyland, and many others. Today, we're going to focus on his latest contribution to the world, his book, The House of the Future, Walt Disney, MIT, and Monsanto's vision of tomorrow. David lives in California with his beautiful daughters, Sydney and Marley, and they're talented in their own right. David, thank you for being my guest today. Uh, it's my pleasure, Trudy, to be on your show, and uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's the honor is ours, I promise you. So, David, I have some questions here for you. Number one, animation has moved from being in a child's domain to the entertainment for many adults. And Gen Zs in particular are pursuing careers in animation in a way unheard of generations ago. Considering the success of the animations today that you, and, and the animations you've contributed to, uh, for example, the Spider-Man animation series, where do you see the future of animation in the next 10 years? Well, I, I think animation has a very, very bright future. Uh, it continues to expand and it continues to build uh, a much more varied audience than it had had, you know, just 50 years ago. Um, I think you're, you're correct in saying that uh, animation was uh, relegated as children's uh, media uh, for many years, but that's in the United States. When you go outside the United States, uh, animation is an art form, and it's, in, it's enjoyed by a very wide range uh, of um, children and adults. 
so I think today animation is much more accepted uh, because they have, you know, a more adult oriented animation television shows on the streaming services. Uh, there is a wider variety of animated feature films that are appealing to a wider segment of the movie going uh, population. What about 10 years from now? Where do you see it? Well, 10 years from now, I, I see it just continuing to expand. There's also an interesting thing happening with animation in that it is really converging with live action. You know, when you go to see a superhero movie, an awful lot of the superheroes are animated. Uh, they're not live action. Uh, you know, when you see Spider-Man swinging through New York City or, got, you know, the uh, a cityscape, uh, that's all animated. Uh, that that's a that's a uh, a CG avatar of the actor in a costume, and those are being done by animation professionals. Uh, so you're going to see much more of that kind of a convergence, uh, and also animation. Uh, from the standpoint of AI generated animation, uh, you're going to see that creeping in and you're going to, you know, there's a lot of discussions going on now about uh, deep fakes, uh, which are being created by AI programs uh, and creating, you know, a person uh, animating who's not there you know, uh, and making people believe it's somebody who, you know, is not in control of that, <clears throat> whether that's a, you know, a deep fake of, uh, you know, President Biden or, you know, uh, Barack Obama or, you know, any number of celebrities, uh, that's going to increase and, and it's going to be a topic of discussion in the future. What about the direction of like virtual reality, because I think virtual reality too is creating that animated experience where we step in and it, it's, it's almost so real. I mean, I think the immersive, the immersive experience is I've watched, I've been on virtual reality platforms and it's like, you can, after a little while, you forget that you're in it, you know, and it's all, and it's all an animated experience. But you know, what, what about that? What do you think on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think with uh, AI, uh, you know, and virtual reality, augmented reality, all of those, uh, all of those platforms are in their infancy, really. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of growth potential for those. Uh, and again, uh, they have to, uh, I think, have the eye of an artist working on those uh, to make them believable or to be able to create these fantastic worlds that you see in some of the movies worlds that audiences want to go revisit and i and i think that there will be at some point a convergence uh of um virtual reality and movie making uh there's a lot of experiment uh, experimentation going on with that and storytelling within a virtual reality setting and you know, again, uh, it, it's it's happening quickly, uh, but it's also going to take a while. Uh, but the technology is there to make it happen. Wow. Now, you left Disney in 2016, but you really haven't retired. Seems you've been publishing a book every year. Are you going to be keeping up this kind of publication consistency? 
Yeah, I actually am. And, and in fact, I, I had lunch with a colleague yesterday and I and I, I he asked me that question and I said, well, you know, I I've got uh, books earmarked for every year going out to 2030. Uh, so uh, and that's where it stands right now. If we talk next year, it might be 2031 or 2032. <laughs> but uh, I, I go from one book project to the next. Um, I'm very passionate about the topics I write about uh, and I enjoy it. I don't look at it as a job. And that's the that's the best of uh, uh, of, you know, both worlds, if you will, uh, of, quote, working and pleasure. Uh, I ha I've merged them both and I'm enjoying myself on each of the book projects. Wow. So one of the things that caught my eye in your book, The House of the Future, uh, is the phrase Monsanto's vision of tomorrow. Now, I'm familiar with Monsanto being in the food industry, but you share your book shares Monsanto's interest in the versatility of plastic in home manufacturing. To your knowledge, is Monsanto still involved in creative innovation and supporting the arts? You know, Monsanto as a company, as we once knew them back in the 1950s, really doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. they've, they, they've been absorbed into the Bayer Corporation of Germany. Um, they, they've shifted their focus on, you know, the types of products that they're producing. Um but back in the 1950s, they had a plastics division and that plastics division funded the research at MIT to come up with a new home design that would utilize that miracle material of the time, plastics, in home construction. And that was the purpose of the House of the Future was to project out into the uh, into the distant future 30 years in this instance so the house of the future opened at disneyland in 1957 so they were saying this is what a house might look like in 1987 and there were a lot of things in that house that were, uh, were contributed by partner companies like Bell Systems with video phones and what you would perceive as being a ring system now where there was a camera at the front door and you could see it. You know, if you were in the bathroom, you'd have a, a wall mounted uh, you know, little video screen and you could see who was at your front door. Um, so some of those things that they were envisioning have come to fruition, uh, which is really fantastic. But the one thing that didn't really come to fruition is the is the full on use of plastics as structural building material for homes that hasn't really come to pass. Um, but, um, you know, things like a fiberglass shower and tub enclosure that you find in most new homes today. That was an outgrowth of uh, Crane Corporation's contribution to creating the bathrooms for the house of the future. Uh, the use of safety glass uh, has become widely used now. That was another outgrowth of uh, the house of the future. Um, the princess telephones and, you know, there was uh, the flat panel, the envisioned the flat panel screen uh, that was in the House of the Future in the early 1960s. It didn't work, but it was it was this big screen that they said was a television movie screen, you know, and that 
you know, uh, was, was a precursor to our flat panel televisions that have become ubiquitous. You can buy them at Costco now. So, you know, I think the House of the Future uh, allowed people to dream, uh, allowed people to get a glimpse of what the future might hold for them. Uh, and it's really served its purpose. You know, it was only at Disneyland for 10 years and there were over 20 million visitors that walked through the house, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I did not see it. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to do this book was I wanted to get a sense of having taken the tour, but now it's in a book form. So, Based on what you just said, Dave, I heard so many disciplines, engineering, architecture, you know, um, all sorts of disciplines contributing to this house of the future. And to think, you know, I hope that the the minds of our young people today are going to take a page from our from this book and see, you know, they need to be projecting many years ahead as well and creating our future right now. And it's interesting to me because I looked at, when I was reading your book, which I, I got your book and I was reading your book, not only did I see a picture of that house of the future that was at Disney, I also Googled it and saw many other pictures. And I would beg to say that quite a few things of that house felt very modern, even though it's technically you know old, but I mean, something like minimalism, which is hot, hot, hot right now. It was one of the, yeah. minimalism was one of the concepts of that house. Sure. What, is the, what is the square footage of that, of that house? You, I couldn't quite. You know, you know, the, the entire house was only about 1200 square feet. It was actually relatively small in comparison to home living today. Uh, but uh, at the time uh, in the 1950s, you know, most homes weren't that big. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, so uh, this was laid out in a very efficient way. Uh, but, you know, you brought up something uh, I think very interesting and, you know, about projecting forward. Um, you know, what we're seeing with the house of the future and plastics of the 1950s was the unintended consequences of a new technology in this, in that case, plastics and what it's done in, you know, in 60 years, uh, what plastics have uh, done with our environment, right? So today we're grappling with artificial intelligence, you know, which is in, in its infancy. And, you know, the question is 50 or 60 years from now, what's what's artificial intelligence going to do and what kind of a mess will will there be that ha that has to get cleaned up or fixed in some way uh and i do address that in the in in an author note at the back of the book because when you think about it you know in the 1950s plastics was very new relatively new material and nobody knew what it would do to the environment but that was the unintended consequences of something new. Uh, they were looking so at valuable, at, though. It's yeah, a valuable contribution. A absolutely, but they were looking at plastics as being, you know, making life better for people. You know, being able to have cups and dishes that didn't shatter uh, if you drop them. Uh, you know, uh, having uh, surfaces that could be cleaned easily and. You know, all of these kinds of things that were beneficial to improving 
uh, our living experience. Uh, and obviously, with anything new, as I said, there there are those unintended consequences that eventually show themselves over time. And, and, and you know, that's what's happening, you know, I think with AI. So there's definitely these parallels between artificial intelligence and, you know, the introduction of plastics. So we're in a collaborative economy right now. And Walt Disney, I think, was ahead of his time when you know they had that Monsanto Disney coupling right there, when business people look at joint ventures, I'm not sure that the creatives of today and the business community of today connect the way Disney and Monsanto did. What could collaborations of a similar nature look like going forward? Well, I, I, I mean. I definitely think that collaborations are a good thing, but I also feel like the world has gotten much more complex uh, than it was in the 1950s. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Walt Disney was a visionary. Uh, he could, he could, you know, connect the dots with new things that he was seeing and he could form partnerships on a handshake uh, with people. Uh I think that's a little bit more difficult today, uh, especially with, uh, you know, uh, public companies uh, that have, you know, boards of directors that have strong brands. They have to be careful about how they partner up on things, because if something goes wrong, uh, it could be brand damaging. Uh, yeah, so but I, I think I think if if more artists collaborated with more businesses because I think design has been a huge part. I think one of the, one of the wins for Apple has been design from oh, absolutely. To, 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 so in other words, it's not just innovation of things, but also the merger with art. And I think, you know, if I, that's what I'm trying to, I, I hope listeners will pull out of this, if nothing else is um, a good idea for the collaboration between engineers, architects, artists, uh, you know, all kinds of crafts and business to come together. So another thing, David, The House of the Future is an interesting read. I, I read it. It was very interesting. And I think for someone who's older in the 45 plus uh, area, it might feel a bit nostalgic. It has a historical perspective. It has a strong business perspective. It has a creative exp uh, perspective. When you wrote this book, who did you really have in mind? Well, I, I think when I write a book, I'm always looking to have the widest possible audience, you know, because you want your work to be seen. Uh, so this book wasn't just about Disney uh, theme park fans. Uh, this was really uh, targeted to Disney architects, designers, furniture designers, uh, people who were interested in futurism. Uh, and I, I think that I, I, you know, met that challenge because of the response that I've gotten to the book. Uh, 
because it is a book that people are buying across all of those areas. People who are interested in architectural history, people who are interested in design history, furniture design, as I mentioned, because I do talk about some of the cutting edge furniture designers of the 1950s who had furniture pieces in the house of the future. And by the way, a lot of those pieces are still available today, new. You know, the Eames chairs, the the coconut lounge chair that's in the uh, living room of the House of the Future. That was designed by George Nelson, who was a design director at Herman Miller. And Herman Miller still makes that chair. It's a beautiful, uh, you know, functional lounge chair. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the Doha uh, Qatar airport uh, in the Middle East. And I went into the lounge uh, at the airport and there was a bird's nest chair, brand new. And there was like two dozen of them. And the bird's nest chair is featured in the parents' bedroom in my book on the house of the future. So you could actually go to that chapter and see that bird's nest chair. I was sitting in one two weeks ago in Qatar and it, 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 they're still making them. And it's still the same design, these classic designs that still feel modern. So you brought up another interesting point. Um, I don't know if you pitched the book to these people, but I think your book probably should be pitched to art schools. My, my, my niece went to an art university in Sarasota, Florida, and she ended up working um, to design hotels and that kind of a thing. But uh, then a lot of people work at Disney from there. But if, if I think because universities have both the history and the, you know, the, the math to make these things and the, the architecture, I think this would be a great book for universities to have for those students. If you hadn't done that before, I strongly suggest you consider pitching it to them. Now, they is there, a, there what would you like to tell the members of my audience who are the dreamers, the students, the startups of today? Well, I think, you know, uh, we're we're all building on the shoulders of giants. You know, the the generation that came before, we can learn a lot from and we can expand upon and project forward from there. And I think, you know, a book like The House of the Future, Walt Disney, MIT, and Monsanto's Vision of Tomorrow does just that. And, and I think you said it uh, very succinctly earlier uh, that it's not just business and art and engineering. It's all of these things coming together in one place. And I think that the fact that I talk about these early uh, mid-century uh, furniture designers uh, who are legends today um, uh, and also how the uh, philosophy was to design this house and how it came together. I think people can learn from that material and then project forward. Um, I still think that this type of a house and some of the design features of the house are very relevant today. Uh, and in fact, I even, I, I opined in, in towards the end of the book that I thought Disney should build a couple of them at the Contemporary Resort in Orlando and let people stay in them for, you know, a couple days or a week or whatever uh, as being a, you know, a resort experience. 
Yeah, because uh, be people do like to stay in themed yes. things. Abs absolutely. So I do want the audience to consider getting a copy of the book, The House of the Future. But is there anything else that you'd like to share? Well, the I mean, the one thing I would mention is that, you know, they can get a, uh, a an author signed copy directly from the publisher. And I know you're going to put the link in uh, for, in the for credits, them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did want to mention that if they decide to do an author signed copy, if they use the code friend five, they'll save five dollars off the uh, uh, cost of the book. And it's free shipping, just like if they bought it at an online retailer. So um, but, you know, for me. Uh, I'm, I, I, I respond to, uh, people's questions, uh, if they reach out to me through social media and stuff, but, uh, it's always gratifying to hear from readers, uh, whether it's a review or a question that they send me through my website. Um, I always respond because, uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's part of the book community uh, to, 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 you know, answer those questions. And, and I get a lot of gratification hearing about the, uh, the joy people have in picking up one of my books. And, and I've heard from a lot of people already who actually remember going through the house of the future when they were, you know, a child at, at Disneyland. And, and the fact that the book brought back a lot of memories for them, and and equally, I've heard from people who never experienced the house of the future who felt like they have because they got my book. So that that's always really wonderful uh, to to get that kind of feedback. There you have it, folks. So we have been talking with David Bossert, author of The House of the Future, Walt Disney, MIT, and Monsanto's Vision of Tomorrow. Now, I do have... Uh, Daniel Behrman on and he probably he's going to have some questions for you I believe and uh I, you know I just wanted to say that because that may roll in here so ladies and gentlemen this has been interesting honestly if you are a creative if you have a creative mind if you are a visionary this is a great book to just put it all into perspective because you, you know a lot of times we just we just need to see that it can be done. And sometimes you just, you think, oh, you know, no, you're not alone. This has been done. This can be done. Collaborations, design that has function and beauty and purpose and all of that, guys. It's all right here. David Bossert, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you.